This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. Great show for you tonight. At least I think it's going to be great. Joined here by Eric Eager, who is the VP of Research and Development for PFF. So very high up in the PFF food chain. How are you doing, Eric? I'm doing wonderful. Uh, it's uh, calm before the storm here for the NFL season. So always fun to, to chat football. All right. You, you're in Cincinnati with the rest of the PFF crew at this point? That's right. Yep. Um, we have a... Um, we have a you know a small a small contingent of us that that work in the in the Cincinnati area, and then the rest uh, are remote. 
Oh, all right. I, I, uh, I did not know that. I did not know you had any more remote people. I know there was a, there was a, a real goal to get folks there at one point, but that's great. Hmm. Um, so the, uh, the topic that would interest, I think, a lot of Ravens fans about PFF, and, and it's obviously caused a lot of Twitter chatter in the last couple of months, has been some of the, I would say, disparate rankings of Lamar Jackson in that time. And of course, uh, without question, Ravens fans have kind of a little chip on their shoulder with regard to any sort of rating that involves Lamar Jackson. And so but yeah, I thought we'd maybe talk a little bit about that in terms of uh, what you have. And one of the first things is that I don't really think of PFF as being an entity, but a lot of people do. They think of it as just being a single monolithic entity that has one set of opinions, but really you're a lot of different people with a lot of different football opinions in one remote company yeah i think that that is probably i mean i think you hit the nail on the head there i think that's one of the things that you know is difficult because you know lamar jackson was the mvp of the nfl in 2019 we you know our war model would have given it probably to russell wilson instead but lamar was certainly i think worthy of the award it's sort of weird to say right like i think there were more than one one player who was worthy of the award last year and uh, and Lamar won it, and that was great. Um, and then in 2020, you have you know not quite as good of a grade from us, right? And then so the question becomes like, okay, do you look at his two year grade? You look at his uh, you know one year his best year grade? You look at his worst year grade? Um, you know what aspects of that uh, of you know the evaluation process do you look at with Lamar? And I think depending upon what you value and depending upon sort of the scope at which you look at the player, you can come up with a lot of different opinions of Lamar Jackson. And, and, and I think that within our company, we certainly have ones. And, you know, I, I certainly believe he's a, a very good talent. Uh, I think, like I said, I think he deserved the award in 2019, even though we, I thought he was one of many, you know, few players that deserved it in 2019. Um, but I still have question marks about, you know, the long-term viability, uh, you know, of a quarterback who has such a sk- singular skill set We've just never seen a player, uh, you know, sort of have, uh, you know, that skill set at the quarterback position in the NFL. So it's really it's really an interesting topic and one that I think obviously uh, captivates Ravens fans and captivates NFL fans. (laughs) That's certainly true. And one of the things that has come up in articles this year, and and we saw an article on running backs, for instance, from Sam Monson, where where J.K. Dobbins was fairly far down in the 20s, I believe, for for running backs. And I might be wrong about that. It might have been the low teens, but it was fairly low. And one of the things he said is that it's difficult to separate the credit for Jackson from the credit to the Ravens running backs. And it's interesting because I think that's exactly what PFF is probably missing in grading Jackson is that, is that you don't have an easy way to give him credit for how he makes the other players on the field better. Well, that's yeah, absolutely. In December 9th of 2019, actually, I tried to do this. I wrote an article sort of looking at, um, you know, quarterbacks on design runs and how, um, you know, the running backs do on their team. And it's absolutely, I have to remember what the coefficient was, but, but essentially like, you know, for every, you know, 10, you know, hundred carries uh, of designed runs a player had the running backs average something like I, I off the top of my head, like a quarter of a yard more per carry. So, the more often your quarterback runs the ball, right, which is a 
you know, volume is also efficiency. Like you're not running a guy, you're not designed running your quarterback a hundred times. If he's Kirk cousins, you're, you're only doing that for the Lamar Jacksons and the Michael Vicks. And even Vic was more of a, just a scrambler, but like, you know, Cam Newton, those guys, you do see heightened yards per carry numbers for the running backs. Now Dobbins has a lot of other good characteristics like tackle breaking and uh, you know, on the other, on one hand, yeah, he's got great characteristics that way. On the other, there's some unstable stuff. Like I think something like 40 to 50% of his yards came on 15 yard or more runs last year, which is not necessarily the most stable thing in the world. So it, it again, remains to be seen, but yeah, Lamar, I think the narrative is Lamar helps out that entire offense with his ability to pull. And I think there is data to back that up. It's 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 certainly something that we we talk about all the time because I look at the at the 19 team and the 20 team both of it and and over the two year period it's the highest scoring team in the NFL and it's also the highest scoring in terms of points per drive which is really the most important statistic I think we'd agree in terms of of uh, of how how often that offense scores and and how frequently and it's it's really hard to find the other players that are really contributing to that at a superstar level. Ronnie Stanley, sure, in 2019. Marshall Yonda in 2019. Mark Andrews, maybe in 2019. But it's not a, it's not a team that's been filled with superstars that, that, that are obviously the leaders of this offense. It's, it's really more about Jackson creating a lot of opportunity for them that's exceptional. Yep, and I think you know Greg Roman. Even though I think some people are down on him because of the you know the decrease in efficiency in, in his later San Francisco years, he certainly deserves some credit uh, for what he's been able to do there. But yeah, I mean the the and you saw when when Yonder retired and Stanley got injured, you did see a dip in performance at times for that offense in 2020. Um, Lamar dealt with COVID, you know COVID himself, and you know you know with the exception of the Browns game down the stretch it wasn't really the best passer either. So, you know, it, again, you could strip that away and just look at the 19 stuff. And I think to your point, like one of the most efficient offenses ever, I think I sort of think of the Ravens offense much in the way that I think about sort of defenses and that, you know, most offenses are extremely, you know, uh, strong link systems, right? Like the chiefs offense goes largely as Patrick Mahomes goes or exception, mm-hmm. of course, um, you know, the, the bucks go as Brady goes. Um, but the, the Ravens offense, because Lamar is such a good rusher and even quarterback runs are very much dependent upon the table set by the offense. There are more things that you have to parlay together to have terrific offense. And in 2019, what we saw is the parlay hit right in spades. They were amazing. And last season you saw sometimes where they were befuddled a little bit, um, and, and, you know, some of the other amazing things that the Ravens do from a team building perspective helped paper over that a little bit and get them to 11 and five and, and as well as a playoff win. So that, that's like the, the questions I have about Lamar mostly. And this is part of my like my rating thing. Well, is the Ravens have spent like two thirds of their money over the last two years on defense right. um, and, and have reaped the benefits of it. You know, they've gotten amazing play from Campbell and, and Peters and. Uh, I think especially Marlon Humphrey Um, and, you know, Lamar doesn't have to play from behind quite as much as many quarterbacks. The question becomes if you pay Lamar Jackson, you know, let's say the top end dollar, let's say Dak Prescott money, and you have to subtract from that defense or, you know, some other part of the team, um, those resources, what, what happens to the comp, what happens to Lamar's game? What happens 
when the composition of plays, you know, ahead, behind, you know, stuff like that, what happens when that changes? I think that's a really open question that I think detractors of Lamar want to see answered. Yeah, it's a, it's a legitimate question. I mean, Lamar, obviously, well, one point they, they pointed out that he was 0-6 uh, when he's down at halftime and 24-0 and when he's up at halftime. Well, yeah. you ought to really consider what made him up 24 times out of 30. Exactly. And yep. there are a whole lot of factors, and it's not just it on the defense. It was the fact that, you know, they, they're, they're consistently willing to go for it on fourth down. They have, they, they, they're very good at that. And uh, they had a remarkable first half offense, certainly in 2019 and really in 2022. Um, I, I'm, you know, even when Lamar is not passing well, and you mentioned down the stretch, I mean, the Ravens' offense was remarkably efficient down the stretch. It wasn't Lamar, but it was Lamar in the sense that he's creating the opportunity for the run game that that otherwise is is uh, you know other teams can't duplicate with with their uh, you know great offensive lines in some cases. Yeah, absolutely, and I think you know that was one of the things I I do a lot of work with Kansas City and. Uh, Kansas City Radio and stuff, and you know when and and I you know do a fairly uh, decent study on the Ravens as well, and and you know when the Orlando Brown trade was happening, I, I thought to myself, you know that you know the team that trades for Orlando Brown has to be really careful, right? Because I, I think Orlando Brown's been a, an amazing football player; he's one of the most valuable offensive linemen in football. But you know that is in a very very tackle friendly scheme. It, yes. The run the run rates, but also the fact that defensive ends that are rushing up the field are really afraid uh, of, of, of Lamar running by them. You couple that with the fact that he doesn't have a full season of left tackle under his belt at the NFL level. And you, you have to be impressed with what the Ravens were able to get for him, right? That that was a very good trade for them. It was very much a uh, money ball type trade. Um, you know, the Oakland A's trading Billy Coke when he, you know, or Koch or whatever. Was, I can't remember what his last name was pronounced as, but like essentially taking you're like third or fourth best reliever and pumping 40 saves into him and trading him to another team. That's sort of what the Ravens did showcasing Orlando Brown on a necessity at left tackle, but in like one of the easier schemes to play there. We'll, we'll see how he ends up do, doing with Kansas city, but it is he, he, Lamar does have that impact. He has that impact on Gus Edwards. who has been one of the better running backs oh, in, for all sure. of, in all of football from an efficiency standpoint over the past three seasons. He, he does transcend those things. The question becomes again, the Ravens almost always from a position of strength when he does those things, right? Mm -hmm. uh, because of not only how good they've been offensively, but how good they've been defensively. So then the question becomes, if they're more of a league average defense and they're playing from behind most, more of games, we saw him answer this in the affirmative against Tennessee in the playoffs on the road. Like what ends up happening when that's, when that's the case in half of the games that they have in a season? Is he able to sort of pull them back from, you know, the jaws of defeat. That That's the one question I have, you know, and and, and we've seen it over and over again. And, and while Lamar is a singular point, um, we've seen it over with, you know, Goff took a team to the Super Bowl. Uh, Wentz took a team to the Super Bowl. It's a lot easier to, to play efficient offense when you're a $10 million bet and all the guys around you are well paid or, or your defense is well paid and sets up a situation that's a little bit easier than if you're the well-paid one and you're depending upon a lot of draft picks or, or not as highly paid players to support you.
I, I understand that the, there's a lot to unpack in what you just said. So maybe we interact a little bit more. But the, but the, the first the first comment was about the, um, uh, the, the obviously about the the salaries paid to offense and defense. There has been sorry the Ravens a historically efficient offense for per dollar spent yep. um, these last couple of years, and and obviously that will have to change. But it, it, some of that change is going to come, I think, fairly easily. So others others it will be hard that they'll have to get younger on defense more. Their draft picks will naturally go to defense i can't imagine them taking a lot of draft picks on offense going forward they do need a tackle uh, other than that i really can't imagine much um you mentioned orlando brown though i really want to speak to that with orlando um moving him to left tackle was really interesting because he had been not been asked to do very much at all at right tackle in my opinion and he, he moved into a place where you'd have to use his length effectively to push the player wide of the pocket and he did a very good job with exactly that playing to his own strengths and length to do that but on the right side, what he'd been asked to do is so simple. I mean, you, generally, you let the edge go. Or in a lot of the pistol formations they ran in 2019, that was true. You down block on a defensive tackle, move half a level up into level, you know, half a level up basically to hit a scraping linebacker. There's so little there in terms of difficulty for a right tackle. I think the question is legitimate. Is, is Brown the kind of player um, that's an obvious future star? Or, or did the Ravens really get a good value for him? I, I think both can be true. Like I think Kansas City, I, I sort of looked at the like wins above replacement per dollar. Um, you know, it, it, the Ravens got an absolute steal with what they ended up with. Um, but you, you know that that's also assuming again, you know, sort of average outcomes. I think Orlando Brown's going to be great for Kansas City, but he better be right. Like we've already mm-hmm. seen this in Kansas City history. You know, trading a first and a second round pick and sixty two million guaranteed for Frank Clark. And that hasn't, those don't always work out. Right. And, and given the cost of some of those veterans for first round draft pick and contract uh, sort of deals, that guy has to be a 90% proposition almost. And, and so then the question becomes, is he a 90% proposition? I don't know. I think he's way more than a 50% proposition, but that's, you know, and that's the gamble the Ravens are taking. And they're also, you know, making that gamble with the full knowledge that, Lamar's going to, you know, they'll probably end up paying Lamar. Um, you know, they have, you know, they have some other players, you know, like Patrick Queen in a couple of years, his contract's coming up. Andrews. Yeah. Yeah. Andrews as well. And, but, you know, they are set up pretty nicely, but it, it, to me, it was just sort of a perfect, you know, you have a asset that's probably overvalued on the open market and not a lot of teams have the guts to sort of go out uh, and deal it. And, and what that did is it secured for them, you know, enough capital where they can take a wide receiver in the first round, no matter what. I know it was their first pick they took the wide receiver, but you know, they were able to shore up, they were able to replace Judon uh, as well as Nagakwe with, with away, but then they were able to go with, with Bateman, who I think is a great prospect. I think Talon Wallace is a great prospect as well. And I think if, you know, Sammy Watkins, uh, we saw him have a performance in the 2019 playoffs uh, that you'd certainly take out of your number three or four wide receivers. So, you know, I, they're, they're, they're doing things that I think will make Lamar Jackson's chances of success higher. Uh, it's just never a guarantee, even for a team as smart as the Ravens are. 
Right. I mean, I, I, I agree with that. And going back to the Brown thing, which triggered off a, a lot of this uh, kind of situation, um, Ravens fans were kind of upset with the, with the dealing of Orlando Brown for a second round pick. I mean, just a second round pick. If it's not a first round pick, why would we even do it kind of thing? Well, I, I, I think generally it's lost on people that there's a time frame associated with every player and a player going into the fourth year of his deal. You're, you, it's just very hard to get any significant trade value for that player. It has to be somebody really good. Uh, I, I, I also liked it, but uh, uh, but I agree. They, the Ravens, in some ways, were forced to do it because Brown was going to come due at the same time as Andrews. They'd already unstacked their 2018 contract situation by trading Hayden Hurst a year ago, and he would have been another guy they, they might have had to pay or, or would have had a choice on who to pay at tight end. But I think the Ravens are very good about that. They're very good about figuring out how to unstack their contracts, how to, how to get value out of some marginal players that other people are devaluing too. Yep, and it's just hard to get surplus value out of tackles, you know, that are paid at the high end, especially when both of them are paid at the high end. It, you know, you're you're going to have to hit some other places, and I think the Ravens know what the likelihood that, uh, of that is, um, and, and they spread out the risk a little bit, which is which is always what you like to see. Uh, again, like they're you know, just to sort of illustrate, like I wouldn't be surprised if Tylen Wallace was the better of the two wide receivers mm-hmm. out of Bateman. He's not the favorite, but you know, what the Ravens did here is they saw they saw a, a weakness in their team and they threw numbers at it. They they did it last year as well with James Prochet as well as Devin Duvernay. And, and, you know, for them, it's like it doesn't really matter which one of those two of those four guys work out, just that two of those four guys work out. Uh, and you can't – it's hard to get the numbers there if you're not willing to every once in a while make a trade like the Orlando Brown trade. Right. And they've, they, they also, it's two, it's two wide receivers now three years in a row for the Ravens because the year before it was Hollywood and Boykin. Um, yeah. I, I don't, I don't know how you, how you guys feel about Boykin at PFF or I haven't really looked at his grades, but as a run blocker, does he grade out particularly well by PFF? Uh, I'd have to look here. Um, you know, I, he's always some, he's the one difference there where, you know, you, for him, you, you have the, the size, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, He's miles with an I, I believe. Um, right. So, so yeah, I mean, so when you look there, his run blocking grade is is above average, uh, seventy seven points nine, which is you know pretty good. He's a bigger guy. You know, he, he's you know the only receiver on that and on that team that's sort of like of that six foot three or better, two hundred twenty or better ilk. So yeah, he certainly has got a, a spot there. Um, graded really, I mean, he had he had a couple eighty nine games in the run game. Um, against Cincinnati and then Tennessee in the wildcard game. So he certainly has that there. You, you, you had some drops last season, if I remember correctly. Oh, yeah, but he didn't have a great year as a receiver. That's for uh, sure. But you did, you did have the four touchdowns, um, you know, which, again, like I think one of the issues for them was, you know, a little bit of regression in the red zone. You saw it in the Pittsburgh game uh, at home and, and, and so on. And, you know, if he could be a guy that kind of boxes somebody out in the red zone, it really does help them. Uh, be more effective. I think Sammy Watkins can also be that player for the Ravens as well. Right, he did he, he, a very good job of keeping his feet. So I've, he's a player I like. I don't want to. I don't want to hog up all the time on just talking about Miles Boykin, though. Just real quickly, I know Sam Sam Monson left Lamar out of his top fifty players. Do you think that's a reasonable judgment, or would you have put him in the fifty? Well, I have I have Lamar as a top ten quarterback. I think comfortably. Um, I know, you know, it got in the messaging, it got a little weird. I had him in a cluster with sort of, you know, Mayfield cousins, um, you know, Matt Ryan, I think, 
you know, those are guys that like, if you shuffle the deck, any one of those guys could be a top five QB during a season. Um, Lamar certainly has been and Matt Ryan's both of those guys are MVPs. Um, but you know, in the, in bad circumstances, like last year for Lamar, you know, you're 15th highest graded in PFF. I think QB hour, he was quite a bit higher because of running. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, and I would put like, I would put 10 quarterbacks in my top 50 players. I think they're that important. I also think we're in a golden age of quarterback play. Um, so I would put him in my top 50. Okay. All right. Um, I know it's Bruce. Bruce had him eighth among QBs. And then I saw the interesting thing I just saw recently, which I haven't I had a chance to dig into methodology for the Kevin Cole article that had him third, I think, behind Mahomes and Watson. It's some sort of a Bayesian model. I, I don't know anything about it. Would like to try and have him on the show if you don't mind mentioning it to him. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll hit him up on Twitter, of course. But uh, uh, do you know anything about that model? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're using sort of like priors based of, and then you're u- doing more of like an EPA for dropback, which, you know, EP, EPA for dropback, like Lamar Jackson, I believe I, uh, I have to look at the statistic again. I think Lamar is the one, one of just a couple players in a long time whose e- expected points added on plays that he doesn't throw the ball is positive. Meaning, you know, most quarterbacks on plays, they don't throw the ball are being sacked. Right. Uh, a couple, you know, scrambles here and there. Lamar has, you know, some obviously, you know, highlight real runs, when he, when he runs the football, even on non-design plays. Yes. And, and so when you look and, and the other thing Kevin was trying to do was put in EPA on design plays as well. And so when you do that, you know, Lamar does look pretty good. I mean, you're looking at, you know, he's not in that Mahomes territory, but he's, you know, he's certainly up there. Um, you know, the one, the one gripe I have with, with Kevin's model is how, how, how hard it clings to prior. So for example, Josh Allen, who, I think we'll all agree at a better year than Lamar last year was out of the top 10. Um, and again, that's just a point of uh, that's, you know, with Bayesian modeling, especially like you get some control over how much you weigh prior information versus, of course. versus, you know, updated information. So th- that's what he does. It's certainly uh, it's one of the ways in which we look at betting, for example, uh, MVP props that led us to Aaron Rodgers. I think a lot earlier then he became the favorite. So uh, I, I'm certainly, I certainly have no gripes against that model. And, and again, it's, it's one of those where I think that finally fully takes into consideration Jackson's running, um, which look if running backs. I don't give all, I don't give most of the credit of running to running backs, but quarterbacks, I think you can make a case, even though there's not a ton of statistical um, data, you know, historically, I think you can make a, be- a very good case that the that running quarterbacks deserve more credit for their rushing than running backs. I, I, I don't think that's wrong. I want, do want to make the point. You, you mentioned Lamar Jackson's positive EPA when he's not throwing the ball. In 2019, when forced not to pass, meaning he, he had a drop back, and then he either ended up by being scrambled or being sacked, his average yards per play was 5.1. Yep. And when you, consider, you add in his sacks and his scrambles together – that's an absurd total. It's a historic total. Um, Mahomes was over two, I believe. Most of the league is below zero. Of course, most most of the leagues have uh, you know a loss on those plays. But uh, and uh, and you need you need about five yards on a first down play to be positive EPA for for reference. Not that that's not third and two. A two yard gain is positive, but like but positive EPA. But but yeah. So so that just shows you how like high that bar is. You you have to be gaining those yards. It, you have to be gaining significant yards to have positive EPA on non 
uh, sack play or non-passing plays. I also do think I can't remember exactly what the stat was, but the one of the other things, and I guess this is a good question I think to ask people who know football a little bit better than me. But you know, one of the things with Lamar too, and Michael Vick was this way as well, was yards before contact. I, I think Lamar was something in like that five to six range at, at times, and it's like. Look, if I run the ball and I can guarantee you five or six yards before I'm even touched and given the fumble rate the way that the league is right now, I become a fan of the run game, right? The reason (laughs) I'm not a fan of the run game in general is because usually you get a yard and a half before contact or two yards in the case of good offensive lines. And then you're depending upon the running back for the remaining two and a half, let's say. Um, But if you're already five yards downfield... Well, uh, you know, you'd almost prefer that to a pass sometimes. Right. Important point now. Directly related to that, Jackson has got to be responsible for a fair amount of the yards before contact for other Ravens runners. Their their scheme, or or you maybe give give the credit to Roman somehow, but, uh, you know, they they will often pull two linemen, and then they'll have a running back running a jet sweep, and then Jackson runs the ball up the middle anyway, not behind the lineman. And it's just, it's the weirdest, you know, difficult to defend offense, but it's all based on what Jackson can do. And and that's why I think that most grading systems are not catching it. Passer rating, QBR, and honestly, PFF ratings, I think all kind of miss the point on how Jackson's making the other players on the offense better. Yeah. And I I think that that's probably fair. I think that the lack of, so for example, like PFF war, like we simply don't have precedent for what Jackson is doing. Uh-huh. So, so it, it's very, it, it's like the uh, Otani stuff in baseball right now, where like you try to, you like, do you give, I, somebody was explaining this, this to me when I was teaching a class at Wharton last week, but it was like, uh, it was, you know, do you classify him as a hitter, as a DH and then also, and then classify him as a pitcher and just add the two because DHs are like significantly dinged in yeah. In, in, positional in, scoring yeah exactly in war or like you know what i'm saying it's probably more than the sum of his two wars which is absurd to think about and i think with jacks but we don't have that precedent since like babe ruth so mm-hmm. like you know with lamar we 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 don't even have the precedent if you look at michael vick because a vick was nowhere near as good of a passer as jackson was even as limited as jackson could be as a passer and, and most of vick's runs were scrambles you know they were passing plays that he was turning into uh, running plays, which are different than a lot of Lamar's runs, which are designed. Yeah, I mean, Lamar has a fair number of scrambles too, but but yeah. I also feel like a lot of Lamar's sacks are scrambles that end in short negative amounts. So it's, his, his sack yards per loss is, is kind of low as well there too. I, I would love to have an, an, another entire discussion with you about PFF war. I'm a big uh, uh, really antagonist of baseball war because I think that it doesn't answer fundamental questions about how you need to run a franchise. So it's, it's not giving you, it's not answering the right question about how you should derive value. Uh, you know, runs above average is a better way. It's obviously, it's not transparent. It's not the right word because the trans, the, the baseball war calculation is completely transparent from a methodological standpoint. What it's not, it's not easy to gauge how valuable someone is if they're 1.5 war, because you really need to understand their playing time. And it ends up for me that the, the, the best way to deal with it is to translate back into runs above average and, or, or just wins, wins above average, as opposed to wins above replacement. And I, I just wondering, First of all, where did you guys set the bar for war in the NFL? And we'll come back to this in another discussion sometime else. Otherwise, Eric. Yeah, 
it, it's tricky, right? Because if you look at baseball war, at least as it's presented by uh, like, let's say baseball reference or something, you know, you're talking about what would be the equivalent of a five and 11 football team. Um, the, the issue of course, is that in baseball, like most of the actions are independent, especially batter interactions. Yes. So, so the, the, it's not right to say a team full of replacement football players would be five and 11. Like there's mm-hmm. just, there's just so much, you know, it's a cascading effect. So we, we decided, and, and this is, this gets a fair amount of the questions that we get from teams that, that we sell this number to, or even like consumers. Um, we, we set it at three wins. Um, but I, I, you know, I can be convinced that even that's a little too high. If you have a team full of replacement players, would you win three games? I think football is random enough where that could be the case. Um, but I, you know, but I also think that it could be too high because, you know, if you, if you take a replacement level of line with a replacement level quarterback, you know, what do you do? You know, the, the composition of the league might be such that you never win a game. We'd, we'd, we'd have to define this and I want to do that, but it's such a long discussion. We'll do it on another show, Eric, but I would really look forward to that discussion with you. Mathematician to mathematician. I think, I think that'd be a fun, uh, a fun topic to go through. Uh, it's the, the 294 winning percentage for baseball has never made any sense to me as a, as a, just a, a, a point in the sand to pick. And I, I probably agree with you that, that, you know, the more players you have on the field, the more difficult it becomes with a, with a bunch of, uh, below replacement level uh, players to hide your weaknesses and, and and not be really exploited probably to the tune of 0 and 16 or what in 15. So, yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, exactly. There's so many things in football that are weak link, right? Offensive line is weak link. The secondary, well, coverage in general is weak link. There's even uh, data to suggest that at the highest levels, like the playoffs, uh, wide receiver play is weak link, um, you know, because defenses, especially the smartest ones, can be ex- extremely tone setting. Um, so take, you know, like the, the Buccaneers drafting seven defensive backs in the first two rounds uh, of the last three drafts were able by sheer numbers to stop Kelsey and Hill in the Super Bowl. And once Mahomes had to pat the ball even once, their offensive line wasn't good enough to to withstand it. And uh, the difference, obviously, the previous year against, I would say, especially the 49ers, a similarly stout defense was how big Sammy Watkins was able to play because he was healthy. And I think he was in many ways a difference maker. Uh, and and so even wide receiver play, which I always thought was, was strong link, uh, the data suggests that, especially in the playoffs, it's very much weak link. You go as your second or third option to go. All right, Eric, pleasure having you on here. Great discussion. Uh, appreciate you talking through Lamar Jackson. I know the PFF's taking some heat on it from Baltimore fans. Hopefully that's a positive in general. But tell people how they can subscribe to PFF. Yeah, sure. So um, we have a sale this week. It's it's uh, promo code SAVE40. Um, we have two different subscriptions. We have uh, Edge and Elite. Edge will get you fantasy stuff. It'll get you access to premium content like uh, articles, uh, and stuff like that. A lot of them come from my R and D group. Um, uh, Elite will give you premium stats. It'll give you access to you know like a player props betting tool. You know all this kind of stuff. Um, and and you know as well as access to like a Discord group that where where a lot of us do uh, uh, AMAs and stuff like that. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at pff underscore Eric. Um, and uh, yeah, and I, I very much enjoyed this discussion. It's always fun to talk talk shop with somebody who is interested in getting in the weeds all right a a pleasure eric and uh, thanks for coming on again and we'll talk to you next time on film study
mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.